Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the number one podcast for Airbnb hosts and short rental professionals. You're listening to an episode of STR Conversations, hosted by myself, Jasper Rivers, and Eric Muller. Every Friday, we release a new episode where Eric and I have an organic conversation and discuss what's happening in the short-term rental industry and share what we're learning in our hosting businesses and through working with the thousands of students that go through our coaching programs. So this episode is brought to you by Legends X, our 90-day short-term rental accelerator program that's designed to help you skill your hosting business by getting you out of the daily operations so you can free up your time and become the CEO of your business instead of the manager. And that allows you to focus on high-level tasks that really move the needle in your business and allow you to grow. And we do that by giving you the systems and teaching you how to build a team so you can actually delegate all those lower-level tasks. So for more information about Legends X and how to join, visit strlegends.com x. That is strlegends.com x. You are listening to an episode of SDR Conversations of the Get Paid for Your Pad podcast hosted by Jasper Rivers and Eric Miller. So let's dive in. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. Welcome to episode 497 of Get Paid for Your Pad. We are your hosts, Jasper Rivers and Mr. Eric Muller. And today we are talking about how to renovate your Airbnb, how to create a budget, how to figure out what you want to renovate and how to actually go make a plan and, and go through the whole process. And which is why, which is what we are planning to do with FreeWild in the upcoming months. So let's dive into it. Uh, a question for you. Why do we even want to renovate? Well, Jasper, I know you haven't been in our actual units, but the outside of our our units are nice, but the inside are pretty terrible. The experience is just not there. <laughs> no, I mean, what you're, you know, first off, I love this stuff, man. Like this is my background is renovation and development and, you know, all of that. And this is one of the things that really I love about short-term rentals, especially on the investment side is my background was like fix it, buying old houses, fixing them up and flipping them, right? And we would do like the absolute bare minimum to these properties to get it sold. And they would look nice and all that, but th there was no real experience there. It was like bare walls, no furniture, nothing like that, right? What I love about what we're doing in short-term rentals is the ability to create experiences through our investments, right? So it's a lot of fun, man. Like I, you know, I'll get into a little bit of what I'm doing through the process. But you know, to answer your question, why we want to do it, at the end of the day, it's to drive more bookings at higher revenue, like higher rates, right? That's what that means at the end of the day. We're creating experiences to connect with our guest avatar that we've created for this company. Also, the properties have to match our brand, right? Like if I don't know, if you Trying to think of an example here. If you if you go to like a McDonald's, but you feel like you're walking into like a five star experience or like a dungy, you know, like burger joint or something like that, mm -hmm. like their brand is completely off there. That's not matching the brand. There's certain expectations, right? So we're going to be doing that, all of that stuff with our current property, and then that's also going to support us for our brand of expanding 
free wild, right? Like this, this other hotel that we're looking at, if we do buy that, it's going to, it's going to go with the theme of what we're creating with the brand of free wild. So I'm excited about it, man. Luckily the properties that we have are not huge renovations. Most of the renovations that we're going to be doing is going to be going into the experience side, right? Of the aesthetics of the property, the paint, the art, all that stuff in phase one, phase two is the development, which we could talk about as well. So yeah. but you recently dove into the numbers, right? Which I know as a numbers guy, that's probably a lot of fun for you. Yeah, I got some pretty good insights. And basically what I was trying to do, like you asked me the question, you know, how much money can we spend on these units to really get to like top performing properties in our market, right? Because before you start renovating, you want to you wanna understand like, you know, how much extra revenue can you generate? Is it worth the investment, right? How much exactly. can, I, do I, can I spend? Yeah. Because you could spend like five, we could spend half a million on one of these units and turn it into something amazing. But then it turns out that people don't want to pay the ADR that's needed to actually get an ROI on sure. that investment, right? Yeah. And, and, so, and let me let me touch on that real quick to give some background too. Like when you're buying investments like this, this is, you know, essentially like a hotel of, you know, buying these four units, all the land to develop out another 10 plus units, the whole thing. Going into these, we have to just put together a ballpark of what we think we can renovate these properties at, right? And what we can develop it at. Now we have a rough budget of what we bought the property for that now boots on the ground. I have to go and figure out exactly what we can put into the due diligence, what we can put into for the renovation, for the furniture, for the art, for the, you know, the whole thing, right? So there's so many different small phases and these things get eaten up really quick. You know, like for example, interior designers that we're dealing with that we want to help us develop the brand of Freewild here, you know, their prices are near nearly a hundred thousand. We've gotten quotes for a hundred thousand to three hundred thousand dollars just for design elements, right? Like just for the design effort put into it. I'm like, holy crap. Okay. Well, we got to really narrow down what is the total budget, but then how do we allocate that budget to all the moving parts of these types of renovations? So I just wanted to give some background on that. What did you discover? Like, what did you come up with? I dug into AirDNA and my goal with that was to just understand like, what does a, a, a top five performing studio do? In, in Idlewild. What does a two-bedroom do? What does a three-bedroom do? Because all our units are different sizes. We have a studio, we have a two-bedroom, and then I guess we have two two-bedrooms, but schoolhouse and the mill house with the mill... Schoolhouse is a lot smaller though. And then we have a, a four-bedroom with the barn, right? So we have these four different units. So the first thing is I want to understand like what could these units potentially make if we were top of our market? First thing I found out one of our units is actually the top of our market, pretty much. Boom! <laughs> Love it. Yeah, our, our Daydreamers Den is actually the number four. And you can, by the way, if you if you were listening to this and you wanna you wanna start doing this, if you're interested in renovating, you wanna understand exactly like you know what are the top performing properties in your market, if you get a subscription on AirDNA you can literally see the top nine performing properties in your market. So then you can start comparing, right? Because these properties are all different. For the Den, which is our studio, I looked at all the studios in Idlewild and there's, you know, there's units like ours, but there's also really unique type of structures like yurts and mm -hmm. tree houses. And those are performing really, really well. But our, sure. our Den 
is projecting, we haven't had it for a year, so I had to ex extrapolate the revenue, but it's looking to do almost 50K. There's hardly any studios that do more than that. There's nice. one yurt that does a little bit more, but literally the top performing is like 56. So we're we're very close to the top level, which makes me wonder like, okay, well, do we even need to renovate that one a lot then if it's performing so well, right? Dude, that's a great question, man. That's a great question. Do we actually need to renovate it? And it's like at the end, of, well, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, that's going to come down to you. It's going to come down to two things in my mind. One, does the unit match the brand and how important is that to us to develop a brand or just run a short-term rental there? And then number two is how is that going to truly impact the unit ADR and total revenue? Because if we're generating that now with its current state, which it's not bad, it's a nice unit. That's my favorite one. Like when I go up there with Samantha, like that's the one that we stay at because we absolutely love it and everyone loves it. And it also matches the avatar that we're going after. Young couples mm -hmm. leaving LA and San Diego that want to want to go hiking, right? So we know that we're going to build more studios and one bedrooms that match that versus these big four bedrooms and two bedrooms. It's like they're just not booking as as well. So that's what it, that comes down to. And if I had to answer that, if you said, Eric, you know, we have to make a decision right now, I would say to the first question, to me, it is extremely important that we build our units match the brand of our company, right? Because to me, the bigger zooming out 30 years from now, 10 years from now, the most valuable thing that we're going to be working on is the brand of Freewild, right? So the experiences have to match the brand. So I would say, yes, 100%, we got to renovate, but then that, you know, we don't have to go crazy with the design and everything else. It just has to, the experience, the feels, every, and we'll go into that because on one of our team calls right before this, I, I got some Etsy deliveries here and breaking out different pieces. So I can go into like how I'm structuring all that. Then on the second question, I would ask you, how will this actually impact our revenue on an annual basis by increasing the experience and making it more of a desirable unit? Because we can't add more square footage. We're not going to add more features. It's going to be the experience. It already has a hot tub maybe some privacy stuff like that. It's going to be the experience that's booking out. So mm -hmm. I would toss that question back at you of like, how would that actually impact us if we did? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, first of all, I see the value in, in, in the brand building, right? So we definitely want to have free weld mugs in the units and we want to have the, the color, our brand colors and all that stuff. Right. The question that I'm asking myself is if we, let's say we put like 10, 20 K into this unit and, and really upgrade it. Right. Is it possible for us to go above to break through that barrier that seems to be there in our market around the the 50k for for studios, right? Are we able to actually push through that and you know just become the top one studio unit in Adwald with a by a distance, right? Or is that is that kind of like the top of what people are willing to pay for a studio? That's a great question, man. That's a great question. You know, I, I was talking to Andrew. McConnell from Rented, and I was picking his brain about this. I'm like, hey, this is Free Wild. This is what we're doing in Idlewild, and looking at additional markets, and we want to build out these cool tiny homes, cabins, the whole thing. He's like, listen, it's this is one of the toughest questions on a revenue management side to respond to because we're creating the market, right? We're creating something unique in that space, just like the yurt. Right. Like that. I know exactly what you're talking about. Like the, the couple that runs that yurt, 
awesome couple from Ottawa. Met them a few times. They have two units. They have one yurt and then like a front house, I believe. You can't really predict what you're going to do with that thing, right? Because you're creating the market with that unit. So for me, I'm at the end of the day, it's like if we don't raise the ADR, but we raise occupancy and demand for it, which will, of course, increase the ADR. But if we can consistently book that property and that becomes a desirable unit, then yeah, we can start shaping what the market's like for that one unit. But for me, I don't think we're going to do that with its current state. I think we got to invest in the experience of that property to justify those increases. Plus, you know, it's it's one of the fastest units that we can renovate because we're not mm-hmm. knocking down walls or doing anything. We're just cleaning it up and yep. creating an experience in there. So that's a good question. I think it would be more on the demand than it would be on the ADR side. Yeah, it's interesting because when you look at those top performing properties, they're they're doing very similar. The occupancy is pretty much the same as ours, you know, and the ADR is also pretty much the same. That's a little a little bit higher, right? But not much. So yeah, I guess we we don't really have an answer to that. But uh, but I was just excited. First of all, I was excited to see that our units was you know was performing so well. But it 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 taught me some other things too, you know, because I looked at one bedrooms, I looked at two bedrooms, I looked at three. And four bedrooms, I guess four and more, and it's really interesting because I was thinking, okay, if a studio, you know, top performing studio does about fifty k, then you know, a four or five bedroom is probably going to do like triple that. But it's, that's not really the case. The larger homes are just not really performing that well. The two bedrooms, the really nice two bedrooms, the A frames, they do around like a hundred, hundred and twenty five. But the three bedrooms and the four bedrooms, they don't really do much more than that. Unless it's like a super unique, amazing, luxury, overlooking views and all that kind of stuff. But it looks like that the, that studio and the, and that one bedroom that we have in mind for this market is really the best investment, the best ROI. Yeah. 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 It's interesting, man. Yeah. Those bigger properties are really, you know, that's the draw, right? That's the experiences like the nature and, and the views, which, you know, we don't necessarily have that with our bigger property, our four unit. As far as the views, we have access to the mar- to the area and access to that the park that we have. So we got to decide how much we can put into that unit based on the demand there. But what we have, which is different from everybody else, well, from most other hosts, I should say, in that area is not only do we have just one four bedroom, but we have the ability to rent out the entire community. And the four bedroom being the central hub for the party and the events and the family and whatever it is, the gathering spot, right? So which we get a lot of requests for that, right? So for the four bedroom, it's like knowing that that might be the best way to optimize that property is to include it in a full village rental. It's like, okay, well, now going into the renovations, what do those guests need? They need an open layout. They need big space to cook and eat and gather. We still need as many bedrooms as possible. So we don't want to tear out too many bedrooms. We have to add an additional bedroom upstairs, right? And like really going through that space, but then also knowing like this is going to be the space where maybe a lot of photos are being taken, take in the whole thing. So the the experience needs to be next level on the interior design and exterior design as well. So this is the funny thing about real estate development is like when especially when it comes to hospitality it's we have to look at what 
does what's going to create that experience. For example, we're, I've built a relationship with two designers, this design creative agency out of LA that I absolutely love, man. Like they, they've designed and built two of my favorite restaurants here in San Diego. Places are just like two of the most incredible experiences it's called Campfire and Jean Julet. And they're building a couple other restaurants. They design these big hotels, 100 plus units, the whole thing. And they're designing these massive properties all around the world. And they're just interior designers on the side. They're not the actual builders. So I've reached out and over the last couple of months, built relationships with them and trying to convince them to work with us on Wild and Freewild to create the designs. But I'm getting inside, finally getting inside the, the mindset of these ho- big hospitality companies and what they invest into the experience of their hotels. This company designed a brand new hotel that just opened up in Oceanside. And they also designed a restaurant that was in that hotel. So Samantha and I went up there, had dinner there to try to, you know, like just take in the whole experience. He's like, Eric, you've got to see this property. They went above and beyond on the experience. And also in areas where we felt that they didn't need to go. But the moment we walked into that hotel, man, like from the second we're there, Samantha's like, oh, we got to stay here. We got to stay here. I'm like, what are you talking about? We live down the block. Like, we don't have to stay at this hotel. She's like, no, this is amazing. Look at this detail. And we're walking around for a good 45 minutes, just picking up all the small details of the design in that in the property. And I wasn't expecting that in the hotel. The reason why I share this story is I recognize the importance of that when you're building a brand around hospitality is going above and beyond and being obsessed with the details of your property. You're mm-hmm. not just your customer service and the experience that they're having when they're interacting with the people in your team, but when they're sitting on the couch in your unit and they look over and they're like, you know, they see something that's intentional to be there and it just kind of shifts their perspective. Is completely different than just a regular place with a bed and a couch and the whole thing. It's like, those are comfortable spaces, but we're trying to create something that's memorable to want you to go back and stay there again. And all the elements that go into that, especially for creative people, like that becomes so much fun because there's so many different small elements to cultivate that experience. So for me, I want to go create, like, I wish I had an unlimited budget so I can go in here and be, you know, an artist and create this whole thing. But then we also need to make a profit at the end of the day, right? So yeah. we can do more of these and create jobs and do the whole thing. So that's the delicate balance of like creating the experience, but not being a, a not allowing the artist to go free on an unlimited budget, right? Because yeah. we have to make yeah. a profit at the end of the day. Which brings me to the next point. The next question that I was asking myself, looking at these units and you know, we talked about the den. We have four units. One's the den, one's the millhouse, one's the schoolhouse, and one is the barn. The millhouse is also performing pretty well, but I think we can, compared to the top properties, we can probably increase our revenue about by about 25, 30K a year if we Damn. invest into that. Damn. Right? To get, and again, I'm looking at, looking at the top performing properties and then I'm comparing our revenue with, with the top performing properties. Now, some of them, I, I, some of them are as different, you know, like I said, like if you have a, if you have a, a home that's on top of the mountain with an amazing view, sure. this is something it's that not we, we can create that. Exactly. No. So I looked at the the properties that are kind of like, you know, in the same zone, kind of like close to downtown. There's a couple A-frames out there that are very popular, the A-frames. 
So mm-hmm. that's interesting to see as well. But I think the Millhouse could do an extra 25k. But then the question is if if we can get 25k extra revenue per year, like mm-hmm. how much how much do we want to invest in what's because depending on how much we invest into it, that will determine our ROI. So I was thinking times three. So investing a maximum of three times the additional annual revenue that we think we can make. So that would mean that we would make our money back in three years. What what are your thoughts on that? Ah, uh, man, that excites me, bro. Give me that budget. Go get me that budget. I mean, that's that's quite a bit of money, man. Like, I understand why you're saying that, right? I understand why you're saying that because like we look at what book was I? Oh, I was reading Scaling Up today and they talk about like how corporate companies look at their employees and their team members and say, okay, for every dollar I invest into this person, where the company should receive X out at the end, right? And it's like same thing with with ads, right? Every dollar I put in, I, I should get three dollars out, right? And we look at it that way. The money to invest seventy five thousand into that one unit, I don't think it's needed. I really don't. I think we could do what I was thinking was like, how do we how do we get our money back within a year? Right. So mm-hmm. I, I think this is really just a gut feeling on where we're going. Cause like when we were in Mexico, one of the legends, and we're not going to mention the company here, but one of the huge VC backed arbitrage companies that went under, one of our legends was informing us on the amount of money that they were investing in their units, right? To create the experience. And they had, you know, I've stayed at some of their units, their units were amazing. But that was a big reason why they went under because they couldn't justify the inve- they couldn't get their investment back out right now I know this is different we have forced appreciation we have tax advantages we have the whole thing of owning the property which is great but to understand like where's that money how do you determine that budget and what are we comfortable with right so like also the cost of the money over time and like the economy can we will it take three years or will it take five and how would that actually impact cash flow? Right over time, so mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, that excites me because that tells me I got a big budget to to play with up there mm-hmm. and and create these incredible experiences. Because I'm so used to like back in the day when I was flipping houses, like how do you how do you create an awesome property with the smallest budget possible, right? Mm-hmm. But this is also just like how you know what I'm learning with with restaurants and the amount of money that they invest into the, their experience to create amazing experiences, top tier restaurants. It's because they have the cash flow coming in consistently on their business. So they can justify that over a period of time. But yeah, I don't know. I don't think we need... Personally, I think I could do a better job with half that budget in that property. But that's also... I like that mindset, understanding your mindset of like, hey, actually, let's 3x this. Or you know, can we? are we comfortable making this investment back over three years? But then also, how does that play in with the cost and the investment of the actual property and making the the cost of acquiring that property and the money and all of that come into play. Are you factoring that into your three years as well? Yeah. I mean, that's a different, that's a different calculation to make. Right. And like, if you buy one unit, let's say you buy a house for like $200,000, right. And then you're making, let's say you're making, you know, 40,000 revenue on the Airbnb, right. Then it's a very easy calculation of saying like, Hey, if I, if I invest an additional 20,000, right. 10% of the purchase price. And if I, if that raises my revenue to like fifty thousand, that's worth my money, right? Because it's better to make fifty on two on two twenty than to make forty on two hundred. But since we bought four units plus a lot of land, right? We also we have a lot of land that we're gonna be building new units on. So that makes the the calculation a little bit trickier 
But what I will say is if we just look at our total ROI, right? On We just take the rev, total revenue of our properties and we calculate based on the amount of money that we bought it for, what's the ROI on that total thing? Yeah. If we look at one of the units, as long as our ROI on that renovation is higher than the ROI on our total property, then that's then that's good. Mm. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, it does. It does. I think, but we also have to look at the factor of the refinance, right? Because like at the end of the day, when we build all this out and we have, you know, and, and this could be a whole nother podcast about the approval process up there and what we're learning through this period, we're going to have at a bare minimum three additional units upwards of 15 additional units, which is huge and the unknown. And that's another decision that we're trying to make on the depth that we want to go into the approval process with. But at the end of the day, in two years from now, when we refinance this, bring this to a, a local bank, they're going to looking at they're going to look at the performance of the entire property, right? Not individual units, right? So they're just same way that we're looking at this hotel down the road from this property. Like we're looking at how is the total property producing? Even though there's certain units that produce better than the others, we have to look at the entire asset, right? So I understand what you're saying as well. As long as we're getting that ROI and we're getting that cap rate where we need to be for an attractive refi so we can pay back the investors and still cash flow and you know obviously take some cash out of this as well and hopefully in a couple of years. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think the budget that I calculated based on the like the rule that I created and I didn't do much research into this so I don't know if it's, <laughs> you know if that's common yeah. to say like oh we want to make our money back in 3 years with renovations. I would say that's like an upper limit of the budget, right? Like it doesn't mean that we have to use all that money. Obviously, if we can if we can figure out a way to get our property to be at that top performing level with a smaller investment, then that's preferable. Yeah. And for anyone who's listening to this, by the way, that you're experienced in this space as far as like developing hotels and cabin communities and like multiple units in one one property, reach out to us. Let us know how you're analyzing these deals and what you look at. One thing I recognize though, man, is like Everyone has a different perspective of how they analyze deals and what they're comfortable with at the end of the day. The other hotel that we're looking at currently, you know, still running numbers on, I brought that to three real estate investor friend of mine that do some huge numbers in real estate. All three of them had the same information and questions that they asked, but all different comfortability on what they would take on, if that makes sense. You know, one person was very conservative and like, Hey, I want to touch this thing unless we got double digits in, you know, the cap rate and, you know, CapEx was blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, I was like, Oh, that would never freaking work, you know? And then we have somebody else here, you know, my other friend who understands brand and what we're trying to do on the hospitality side. He's like, Hey, if you can add this to your portfolio, even though it's not hitting the exact returns that we desire, it's still cash flowing, it's still profitable, but w- look what it does to the brand as a whole, right? Can we still refinance this? Can we get 50% financing from a local bank? Can we raise the other 50% through private financing? And through that, can we hit the numbers to you know, have a, a, an attractive cash flow on this, but not look for a home run because it's going to impact the brand as a whole? So it's like everyone at the end of the day, you got to really just decide what is your strategy 
and what are you comfortable with? And to me, that like a company like this, it's leading towards what's the bigger vision of our company. And you know, it's kind of what we did in that workshop, right? What is your business model? And for us, it's a it's a legacy company. So that means this thing, just like Marriott, right? Like Marriott's a legacy company. That means we could be patient with the properties we take on. That also means that you know we don't need home runs every single time because we're not mm-hmm. 100% relying on each property to be perfect, right? We're building a brand, which eventually will be as valuable as the real estate that we own. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, that makes a little sense. I mean, I've stayed at all the Marriott's and Four Seasons and Sheraton's and stuff, and it's it's not always like a super unique property that you're staying at, right? I'm just staying there because I know what to expect. Exactly. Cool. Well. Why don't you go into a little bit of of some, I know you have a lot of experience with like renovating units and walk us through the process, right? First, there's the budgeting. What what are the next steps? Yeah. Well, I mean, first is understanding like what, so so to kind of give some background, like Idlewild is, it's what's called an unincorporated area, right? Unincorporated town. That means that there is no local government. It's all governed by the county of Riverside, right? Which is unique. This is why, you know, the the mayor of, you know, the town is a dog who unfortunately passed away a couple of weeks ago. But Mayor Max, right? And like that's a big thing for Ottawild is like he drives around town and everyone takes photos with the mayor who's a golden retriever, right? It's because there's no law decision makers of the town. It's all on the county side, right? So you have to like for us the the trickiest part is to understand what can we do legally on this property that will be the easiest path the path of least resistance to get to what we want because we can go and and go to the county and build all like our property are approved for a lot of density meaning we can add a lot of structures and units to our properties but that's not what we want to build. We want to build something unique, which is cabins and tiny homes. Okay, well, even though we have the the approval, the zoning for density, now we're looking at building something unique that they are not that familiar with. So we have to go through a whole nother process, right? Um, of approval. So the biggest thing for us right away is just understanding what can we build and what are we comfortable building? Because it could take two, three, I mean, we're in California, which is the worst state in the country to do any type of business, first off, but especially being a real estate developer in the state is one of the most difficult things you can do in California is try to get approvals to build housing for whatever reason. It could take us three, four years to build the dream of Freewild there on our property. Knowing that, we got to work backwards and say, okay, well, that's not good for our business we have to build something fast. So what can we get approvals for? So we went from, I, I went from like looking at this property and saying, okay, we're going to renovate and build all these things at the same time and just shut down the village for like six months and get it done to, okay, now we have three specific phases, right? Phase one is renovating the existing four units and the surrounding land. Phase two is building on the second lot on North Circle of three to four tiny homes right there. Cause those are easy to, to easier to get approvals for. And then phase three is building and getting approvals for the lower park on the river. Now we're running into issues there because it sits down off the road. So we have to add emergency access, big, you know, 
driveway. So emergency, you know, like fire trucks and get down there, turn around and come back out. But if we do that, then it's going to cut all the trees down. And like, we got so many different things that we have to get approvals for. So the process now is like, we're doing the unsexy stuff of trying to find engineers and architects to go to the county with ideas of like, hey, this is what we want to do. What would you be comfortable with? What can we get approved? What what do we have to fight? You know, the whole thing. And we, of course, want to build something that the county is proud of and the community is proud of and, you know, excited about. But we also want to build something that's going to be, you know, profitable for us at the end of the day, too. So, so that's the phase that we're going through now. It's all discovery. It's trying to find our team, our team, which is very difficult in smaller markets to go and get these approvals. Right. But then we're doing what, you know, the sexy part of this on the phase one renovations, which is renovating our existing units and the land around it as well, which is a lot of fun, man. Like this stuff is like, for me, I freaking love it because we're renovating existing units. And what, what we're trying to do is understand, we understand our avatar, right? Like we, we developed the avatar and then we have to ask ourselves, what does our avatar want in these properties? Right. What are they desiring? What what are they seeking to to create an experience that is better than all the other short-term rental units in Ottawa Wild? Right. So to build this, we're building a brand of looking at, okay, what are the colors, everything from the colors and the materials all the way down to the smells, the scents of the property. What are they seeing? What are they feeling? What are they hearing? What are they smelling? Right. What are they tasting? Like we're cultivating the entire experience, right? The tricky part with that is you can spend a lot of freaking money on things that, you know, could be overlooked, right? For everyone who's watching the, the YouTube side, like this is an example of a scent that I'm testing for out of wild because what I'm trying to do is create a scent of free wild. So there was a store in the mall back in like the early 2000s where they used to pump out cologne or a certain smell outside their like in their store. So every single time you walk past it, it hits you and you're triggered to like go into the store. It reminds you, mm-hmm. same thing with Subway, you know, the famous smell of Subway, mm-hmm. like the sandwiches, the breads, and all that stuff. Most of that is the actual scent that they're pumping out into their store. Oh, wow. Right. And they're doing that to attract that person in and solidify an experience for them. Right. So I'm trying to do the same thing. But my point is like this one little thing is like $20. And I'm trying to justify like, is this worth putting in our units every single time to create this scent? And if not, how do we how do we do that? So this is the part, and I can go deep into this, man. But this is the part that I love is like, just like how you love numbers, it's a puzzle for you to put the numbers together. I love creating these experiences because I'm pulling all these small little elements in to cultivate a full-on experience of the unit. From what are they seeing once they walk into the door? What are they feeling? Right? So like, what is that mm-hmm. feeling that is created through the temperature, through the, the furniture, the way the furniture is laid out, the lighting, the whole thing? What are they smelling? So how do we cultivate a free wild scent in there? So they, they're like, hey, I have to have this candle. And like they, when they smell it, they think of free wild, right? All the way down to cultivating the playlist. We have a, we have a free wild playlist that's going to be on repeat playing at the units, right? That they can download and listen to when they're in the car. So that whole, all these small elements. So on the whole other side of our office here, I'm starting to receive, I told you that I'm like obsessed with Etsy, 
right mm -hmm. now because you can find all these cool elements on Etsy that are custom outside of like Target and all this stuff. So this other side of my the office is we have all these small elements that we're starting to put together and put together like what's called a vibe or a lookbook of materials and colors. And then from there, we take it to a designer, interior designer who will help us cultivate the entire design of the unit. So yeah, man, it, you got to like for this element, you got to be obsessed with the details. It's just like the numbers. You have to be obsessed with the numbers when you're investing in a property. When it comes to the experience and the design, you have to be obsessed with the details of how to create an experience for your guests. It goes pretty deep into that. It's funny you mentioned the smell. And I was, I was just trying to look it up online because mm -hmm. I, I forgot the name of the hotel. But there, there was this hotel that I used to stay at whenever I would travel to Asia. It's kind of like mm -hmm. a Marriott. I, I'm blanking on the name. I'm blanking on the name now. But one of the reasons that I always go back there is because they had a very specific smell in the lobby. And yep. every time I walk into that hotel and I'd smell, I'd smell it, I would just, I don't know, just makes you feel at home or something. Exactly. You recognize yeah. it. Dude, like you walk into any, any quality hotel, that's what they're creating there. They're creating the experience and touching on all the senses, right? And it goes all the way to the comfortability of the bed and the sheets. And there's a reason why, you know, every hotel puts down white sheets, right? It gives the, the belief, the immediate belief that these are clean and luxury. Any other color can cause a different type of reaction to somebody. It's crazy. Like, it's all psychology at the end of the day on this, but you're, you get to cultivate something that's unique to yourself. But this is why I was saying, like, we have to also be obsessed with the numbers because I need you to tell me, like, hey, Eric, at an absolute maximum, we can spend X amount, of, we can invest X amount of dollars on the entire project on um, phase one, phase two, and phase three. Okay. Well, how do I allocate that? Do I, how much do I allocate towards the engineer, the architect, the build, the materials? You like, there's so many different aspects to that, that. And when you're doing multiple projects at a time, it becomes a bit challenging. But my point of bringing that up is like you can get lost on the items that you're buying to bring an element. I'll wrap it up with this too, man. I'll see if I can find this. Maybe we could post it up in the, the show notes. But I was looking at properties yesterday in Breckenridge. And I was looking at like some really cool properties. And I found this one unit that was about 45 minutes to 60 minutes south of Breckenridge in a small town called Alma, I believe it is. And it doesn't look like the, the area is like an area that you really travel to. I, I'm unfamiliar with it, so I could be wrong with that. But it doesn't, you know, if you're going to Breckenridge area, you want to stay in Breckenridge. This town doesn't seem like it's the main, a main destination, right? But when I was looking at this, this I found this one property. It's called Spirit Line Cabin between Alma and Breckenridge. But this property, man, I was blown away with the design of this unit. And it was in an area, again, 45 minutes, 60 minutes south of Breckenridge. It's a four-bedroom, small little cabin. And I was going through the, the, the pictures, and I was just blown away on the detail that they put into this property, right? Beautiful little log cabin. It's got a story to it. You know, like the wood out front and like you look on the inside, like you have everything from the leather and like just like they tied in every aspect. They have music in here. They have the fire going, curated vinyl records, right? In the property. And there's like an artistic photo of that experience. 
The reason why I'm bringing this up, man, is I was super close to booking this property just because of the experience of what they put into this property from the books to the colors. Just the whole thing is really freaking awesome. I had seven properties I was looking at, some in the center of Breckenridge, all the way down to this property. I had other properties that had five bedrooms that were massive. And then this one says four bedrooms, but it's a small little cabin, right? For the people that are listening. This was the most expensive property out of all the units I was looking at, including the big ones, Lux, like Airbnb Lux properties in Breckenridge. This was an hour away give or take from Breckenridge. And it's nearly a thousand dollars a night for this property. Wow. Right. Which is crazy. And what what I recognized, I was like, oh man, like this is what you can justify a you can justify these prices by creating world-class experiences. Right. And it's like, this is just a couple that that are running it, but you could tell that they're designers. You can tell that they put a lot of effort into every detail of this but they're justifying $1,000 a night for being an hour away from the destination. And this was like the only property in that area and more expensive than any property. I, I shouldn't say any property. There was like three, $4,000 a night properties in Breckenridge that were unbelievable, but comparable. I was blown away and I did end up going with another property because of the price, which mm-hmm. I thought was interesting too. I was like, oh, okay, I, I decided to stay in Breckenridge and go with a smaller property versus taking the trip out there. But I thought that was incredible, man, that they can justify those prices. And I I truly believe it's because of the experience. They got five-star reviews out of 102. They're at five stars with 102 reviews. Yeah, that's, that's crazy, the the price that they're charging because it's normally priced at 1000 a night, I think. There's a little yep. discount here for the dates that I'm looking at. But yeah, they, this is this an incredible property. And also the photos... They did a really good job with the photos. Exactly, man. They created an experience. They created the experience. Like the fifth photo in is him playing. Yeah. Like that's that's like a Instagram photo. You know what I'm saying? Like that just creates an experience of like being in the woods at a cabin, fire going with old vinyl records, some whiskey, some wine. It's like, oh man, this feels like home. They created that with just one photo. Yeah. Right. And all the elements. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's pretty awesome. This, by the way, there's something that one of our Legends X students asked me a couple of days ago is actually, is it a good idea to have people in your Airbnb photos? And I think it's a good idea, actually. Yeah. It's really yeah. I mean, you visualize can't, the experience. Yeah. And we're going to do that up in uh, Wild. Once we launch the Free Wild brand, we have John, our head of media, we're going to create an entire experience up there and have multiple different photos of us using the property in a certain way. But there is an element of overkill in there that you have to like, you can tell that there's only two photos of people. Mm-hmm. And I think they did it perfectly. All the photos are beautiful. The design's beautiful. And they're asking a thousand a night for this unit, which is unreal. So I love this topic. I think it's something that we should continue to go into. And uh, as we get deeper into the design side, bringing on and just talking about that experience, I think will be very useful. Yeah. yeah we'll definitely be sharing more in the next couple of months about the, our uh, adventure here with the, with these renovations. I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it. Just seeing that one unit being, you know, one of the top performers in our market already just tells me that, and we haven't done anything to the units, right? So it tells me that there's a lot of, a lot of potential if we really put our effort into this. So yeah. Yeah, man. Excited too. All right, brother. 
Well, I'm off to the chiropractor now. All right. <laughs> All right. We'll be back next week, of course. And on Monday, we'll, we'll have an episode as well. And we're coming up to 500, so we're going to do something special. We'll announce that next week. But thanks, everybody, for listening. And have a great weekend. And we'll see you on Monday. See you guys. Thank you so much for listening to Get Paid for Your Pad, the number one podcast for Airbnb hosts and short rental professionals. Really hope you enjoyed the show. And if you are looking to grow your Airbnb business, then we have a great opportunity for you because we just opened up enrollment for our next class of our 90-day short-term rental accelerator program, Legends X. The program is designed to help you scale your hosting business by getting you out of the daily operations so you can free up time and really become the CEO, the owner of your business instead of the person that's doing all the work in your business. So you can focus on high-level tasks that really move the, move the needle in your business and allow you to grow. So if that's interesting to you, then check out strlegends.com slash X. Uh, applications are now open. And when you apply for the program, we're going to get on a call with you to really figure out if it's the right fit for you. We don't want to just uh, enroll everybody into the program. We're really looking for the right people people that we can bring the most value to so we're only looking for 30 companies um, we're almost there already uh, so we do have a few spots left um, so if you are interested in growing your business then uh, don't wait just apply that's really the best way to find out if uh, if the program is the right fit for you so go ahead go to strlegends.com x to learn more about the program and we look forward to seeing your application Thanks for listening. Until next time. Get paid for your pet. 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 Get paid for your pet.